We're here today because in recent months, there have been an unusually high number of high-profile cases that have centered around and had the issue of race at the center. For the, for the, first and foremost, the loss of life is heartbreaking. And secondly, our nation's polarized response to these events, particularly the Michael Brown and Eric Garner non-indictment decisions, have been unproductive at best and inflammatory at worst. But we're here today to start a new dialogue because it's time for us as a, com as a community to have a conversation putting our collective heads together to ensure that the town of Wake Forest is not the next backdrop of, the ra of our nation's next highly profiled racialized event. It's time for the people of God to lead this conversation in a way that only we can. Saturated with the humility of our Savior, and with the humble posture that we took before the cross at the moment of our salvation. We must maintain this posture of humility before one another, especially in cultural moments as tense as the one is that we found ourselves in today. It's time. The purpose of today's dialogue is to provide an environment for our community to gather together, for each person to be heard on their own terms, and moreover, for us to begin to develop strategies to cultivate racial harmony in our community. Our time features five speakers who will speak for about 12 to 14 minutes each, and each speaker has been challenged to provide a specific strategy to help provide healing along racial lines in our community. Following each speaker, your table host will facilitate 10 minutes of dialogue, and everyone at your table is encouraged to participate to brainstorm on these specific strategies, how to apply these to your lives and also to our community. Your table host has a small booklet that they'll record these ideas on, and then what we'll do is compile them at the end of the night, and then we'll, we'll publicly reveal what these findings are at its time, part two, Lord willing. 10 minutes is a very short time for dialogue after each speaker, so be careful not to monopolize the discussion. I know some of you guys out there, so I know how that goes. <laughs> And just keep in mind, you might not have an opportunity to speak after every speaker at your table, but it's okay, because this is only the beginning of an ongoing dialogue amongst each other that we like to have at our dinner tables, but also that we like to have at public events like this. Before I pray for our time together, let, re let me remind us that our efforts today are not in vain. This is not a meaningless token of our desire to see change in our community. We are participating in God's redemptive mission to restore the brokenness in creation as a sign of his rule and reign of his kingdom that is to come. At present, we live in a time where the scars of brokenness mark our world, but as Christ has redeemed us, we have the opportunity, no, the responsibility, and the privilege to live out the restorative plan of God until we go to meet him in glory. So it's time. It's time for God's people to gather together and mend what Christ has died to heal. And today, specifically, we're talking about strife along the lines of race. So please bow your head with me before we pray. Our Father, we're grateful for our community. We're grateful for our broader community. We're grateful for our church communities. We're grateful for our leaders. We're grateful for the people of this community who care enough to come out and to have a conversation. God, be with us. Pepper our conversation with love, with humility, 
with Christian charity so that we might together be able to address problems that are so much bigger than us, but they're not bigger than you. Father, we're grateful for this time. Be with us, we pray. Amen. So I'm pleased to introduce our first speaker, who was overjoyed at the invitation to come to this event. Uh, but before I do so, I have a hand. Okay, that's, that's a good suggestion. So the, the suggestion was that some of our tables could possibly conv- combine so that some of um, you guys can have a more broad discussion. So what we'll do is I'll introduce our first speaker. She will come and speak very eloquently, I presume. And then um, after we do that, for the 10 minutes of dialogue, um, kind of disperse into those tables, and then we'll go from there. How's that sound? So our first speaker was overjoyed at, at this opportunity to speak today. This is our mayor, Mayor Vivian Jones. Thank you all for being here this afternoon and for giving me the opportunity to share with you what a wonderful, truly wonderful community we have here in Wake Forest. When you watch the news and see things that are going on in other parts of our country and state, you can't help but recognize how truly blessed we are here. The recent reports of strained and even fractured relationships between police and citizens in other areas of our nation have caused me to look at our police department and to consider what makes us different. I have concluded that we are different because of our continuous year-round efforts to build and nurture relationships that sustain us through good times and bad times. As a mayor, I have the advantage of being invited every year to attend DARE graduations at all of our local elementary schools. What a wonderful program this is, and it is one that we are committed to continuing to support. Our DARE officer, Scott Graham, whom I'm sure many of you know, serves on the North Carolina DARE Officers Association Board. He helps train other officers to present this DARE program to fifth graders across our state. It is impossible to describe the incredible influence that he has on the children in our community. But it's not just him. Our entire police department participates in this initiative. They provide t-shirts and hats and other small gifts to all of the children. And Police Chief Jeff Leonard also attends the graduations to, to congratulate the kids and to tell them how important they are to our community. Our police officers can also be seen manning booths at festivals and events in town. They are there to meet and interact with our citizens, especially our children. And they also bring the canine uh, units to events and give demonstrations. But these are only a few of the ways our police department works to build relationships and trust with members of our community. There's also 
the annual turkey giveaway offered at the community house just before Thanksgiving. For the past several years, our police department has given out over 700 turkeys to local families in need. Last year, the line for these turkeys stretched from the front of the community house up Owen Street and then up South Main Street all the way to Wake Forest Elementary School. And every person in line received a turkey for their Thanksgiving. Another annual police program that impacts the lives of children in our community is the Shop with a Cop program, where our police officers give their personal time to take kids shopping for gifts for themselves and their families. Each child receives around $145 to spend on items of their choice, including a coat if they need it. Once the kids are finished shopping with their police partner, everyone comes back to the police station for a pizza dinner. These are just a few of the efforts that are spearheaded by our police department, and most of the money used for these programs is raised by the police on their own time, not because they have to, but because they believe it's the right thing to do. The police department sponsors a golf tournament every year to raise money, and they have a ride fair every year out at Home Depot to raise money for the D.A.R.E. program. I mention all of these efforts because our police officers believe their relationship with citizens is important and that it must be nurtured. They want kids to think of them as a resource and a friend and not as someone to fear. In addition to the efforts of our police department, the town of Wake Forest has many ways that we reach out and connect with our citizens. We have a very robust communication program with multiple ways of letting residents know what is happening in our community. We have also developed numerous plans over the last 10 years. Community, transportation, greenways, parks and rec, northeast, re renaissance area, just to name a few. And when these plans were being developed, we held public meetings and invited citizens to come and share their ideas and their desires with us. More specifically, when the northeast area plan was drawn up, we had several public meetings and had quite a few citizens who came and shared what they wanted to see in their neighborhood. As a result of their participation and input, several things were identified and accomplished. For example, Trailer, Taylor Street Park was established, and the Austin Massenburg Community Center was refurbished and expanded. The Austin Massenburg Center is now open daily, offering programs and a place for children to enjoy quiet, safe study. Additionally, sidewalks have been redone and new ones put in along with improved street lighting. We offer bus service throughout our community with several stops in the East End. One of the reasons I thought it was important to have bus service was because so many of our citizens had difficulty getting to the grocery store, to doctor's appointments, or other places they needed to go. Our bus service offers a way for citizens to get out and about that was not possible before. And our town board is very supportive of continuing this service. So we don't just make plans and put them on shelves. 
we implement them for the betterment of our entire community. Wake Forest has a number of advisory boards that are not only instrumental in helping us discover things that need to be done, but that also demonstrate the town's commitment to a diverse and connected community. One of the most active boards is the Human Relations Council. Several years ago, the HRC introduced one of my favorite annual events here in, the, in Wake Forest, which is called Good Neighbor Day. Good Neighbor Day is offered each year on the third Sunday in September, and it's a wonderful opportunity for people from all over our community to come together, have a meal together, and enjoy a Sunday afternoon getting to know each other. Another of our advisory boards, the Historic Preservation Commission, has adopted the Ailey Young House as a project. The HPC plans to restore this historic home that was literally hidden in the woods for years. The Wake Forest community has a distinguished history of inclusion. Our community elected the first African American to our town board in the 1960s, and she was a woman. <laughs> I have lived in Wake Forest over 30 years, and I can only remember two African Americans who ran for local uh, office, actually three, who ran for local office that were not elected. In addition, our town staff is more diverse today than it has ever been. Still, we need your help. Even as diverse as our town staff is, we need more diversity on our advisory boards. We want more diversity when we have public meetings. We want more diversity when we sponsor events and festivals. On February the 14th, Wake Forest Downtown is sponsoring a Mardi Gras celebration along South White Street. There will be fun things for the kids to do, a parade, a costume contest, and many other activities that will be fun for the whole family or for just individuals like me. Everyone in our community is invited and encouraged to come to this wonderful downtown celebration. On Tuesday, January 27th, we're holding a public meeting for residents to come to Town Hall and share with our consultant what characteristics they would like in our next town manager and to share what challenges they feel our new town manager will face in the next few years. I ask for your help in making sure that the residents who attend will be a diverse group and representative of the whole community. Every year we appoint residents to our advisory boards. Very few African Americans apply to serve on these boards. Usually when they apply, they are appointed. Please join me in encouraging more African Americans to apply for advisory boards and to run for town board positions. We want all citizens to feel they have a voice and to feel comfortable participating. In closing, I, I believe that we should continue to demonstrate respect for one another by listening to one another and working together to make Wake Forest an even better place to live and work and play. You know, it's a trendy thing these days to say that we want our town to be a good place to live and work and play. Well, I do want that. So please join me as we continue to make Wake Forest 
a place where everyone lives and works and plays well together. Thank you. I was walking around the tables uh, during our discussion, and I, I appreciate the thoughtful conversation that was going on. So this is a great start to our evening together. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased to introduce our next speaker. This, um, he's the pastor of Friendship Chapel Baptist Church here in Wake Forest. It's Reverend Dr. Enoch Holloway. <laughs> good, good, good evening. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that, that we, are, we have, that it's time. It's time. And uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. Uh, I, I thank uh, 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 Walter and, and Ken for working so hard to help us uh, get this session together this evening. And, and uh, it just, just does me good to look out and see so many people who are here. Uh, from this community, who love this community like I do. Uh, first of all, let me say a little something about me, if you don't know me. I'm, uh, 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 I've been here for 32 years as the pastor of Friendship Chapel Baptist Church. And uh, I'm somewhat the old man in the community. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm so glad Ken came. <laughs> I, I've been here 32 years, and I've seen a lot of changes in Wake Forest. And uh, I, I love Wake Forest. It, Wake Forest is a wonderful community with great people. And, and I have so many friends that I have met in Wake Forest. And so many things have, have transpired in Wake Forest that have been absolutely wonderful. Wake Forest is truly a, a model town. But in, in, but in spite of, 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 of how good we are, there's always room for improvement. Uh, I'm one who, who is committed to the cause of, of tearing down walls of division. And, uh, and, and, and I have, have, have labored uh, uh, in, 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 the, in the trenches. So I, so I, I have great passion uh, about this, this, this affair. Uh, in spite of, uh, in, in spite of, uh, 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 of, of my age, I, I'm, I'm really youthful when it comes to, to, to dealing, to, to loving my brothers and sisters. Amen. Uh, one of the, one of the, the things that I want to, let, let, let me define, give a definition for what racism is. Uh, racism couples prejudice with power the institutional and systematic power to in, enact privileges of oppressed people or oppressed people of a different racial group. S simply put, racism perpetuates the unearned privileges of some and imposes undeserved restrictions on others. That, that's what racism simply is. Uh, 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 one, of, one of the... the most one of the most simple things is that 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 is different in in in, in the community is 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 understanding different cultures 
getting to, getting to under, be able to understand people who are different than you, people who, who, who think different than you, people who, who, who are di- of a different hue, uh, learning to, 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 to live with and, and, and appreciate different people. One of the strategies, one of the beautiful strategies that, 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 uh, that we did in our community some 20 years ago was we had a program called Dinner for Eight. And uh, that program, uh, uh, we did it with North Wake Baptist Church and, and Friendship Chapel. And, and we took two couples from each church and, and we decided that each of those couples would host the other couple uh, for, for dinner in their home. And we had a period of, of a couple of months to, to do all of those uh, dinners. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, it works to tear down walls. Let me, let me tell you something. Racism will, can never be touched if the human heart isn't touched. If we don't open our heart to love our brother as ourselves. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, Todd Allen was a part of my team. Amen. Dinner for eight 20 years ago. I love Todd Allen. I know Todd Allen. And Todd Allen is my brother. Uh, Donald uh, Moss sitting over there was a part of the Dinner for Eight. The people that he met, he knows. until, Until we tear down the walls that keep us from 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 coming together in 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 settings that that promote friendship that promote just knowing one another and and sharing one another and 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 so I offered this strategy this dinner for eight and 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 I'm proposing to do the dinner for eight with four churches friendship chapel uh, Wake Forest Baptist Heritage, and and uh, Wakefield Baptist, and uh, we're proposing to to uh, I'm going to propose that we do this this spring, and I guarantee you, something is going to change when when people intentionally, and and that and that that's that's the word, that's the word I want to share, is intentionality. You've got to want to be different. You've got to want to, to attack racism. You've got to, you've got to make up your mind. You've got to make, make up your mind that you're not satisfied with status quo. You've got to make up, you've got to be intentional about, about loving your brother, about, about loving everybody. You've got to be intentional about that thing. Help, help, help me, Holy Ghost. Let, let, let. In, intentionality. Second, secondly, uh, there were other programs that we uh, have done in Wake Forest, and, and, and I compliment the mayor on all this that, that, that she shared with us. Uh, I was there to, for the start of, of the Human Relations Council. I was there for the start 
of Good Neighbor Day. I was there for the start of the Martin Luther King Holiday Celebration Committee, which is celebrating the holiday after this program tonight, and you are welcome to come out to it. <laughs> we, have, we have done many things. We, had, we, we conducted a, a program with the YWCA, uh, a study, they call it study circles. And some of you may remember, this has been back uh, many years ago, but the YWCA conducted focus groups who, who promoted sensitivity. That's another one, sensitivity. Uh, we, we have to become sensitive of other folks' needs. We have to become sensitized to, 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 to our brothers and sisters of a different hue. We have to become sensitized to folk who don't have what we have, folks who are not like us. We have to become sensitized. We have to have, have develop a passion. Yeah, it, it, help me again, Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, and 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 we 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 have to consider this thing. We have to consider this thing individually. What can I do? We have to ask the question of ourselves. What can I do? There are individual things that we can do, and there are corporate things that must be done. Individually, each of us has to be intentional. Each of us has to become proactive. We have to become proactive. When you see racism, when, when you see somebody picked on, when when you see somebody when somebody when you see somebody uh, uh, abusing somebody, say no. H have the courage to say no. H have the conviction that you're going to stand for what's right. When you see bigotry, when you see uh, uh, somebody mistreating somebody, and 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 this goes just beyond racism. I mean, this this is this is is love of humanity. Yeah, yeah. We have to become proactive and speak out. We we have to take uh, 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 we have to take advantage of all of the opportunities. The mayor the mayor talked about boards and commissions that that where that opportunities to serve. Us black folk ought to serve. Us black folk ought to serve. They want us. They need us. Yes. We ought to serve. I mean, it, stop crying and step up to the plate. I mean, we have to do that. I, I, it's not enough to just holler and scream, but you got you got to be you got to step up. It, my white brothers, as well as my black, black brothers, we've got to step up to the plate and serve. Yeah. Your, your group is, you, you invited me to be a part of your group. The, Rotary, the Rotary, Rotary Club. He, he invited me to be part of Rotary. You got any black folks in there? Okay. So why, why, I, I, I'm going to join Rotary. I'm, I'm going to join Rotary. You might not want me after you get me, but. <laughs> Rotary will never be the same. 
Yeah. And, and let me tell you something. Parents, parents should take the initiative to, 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 to challenge your children, teach your children. I mean, you got to get them out of your house, out of your comfort zone. Your children are, your children are part of a big world. And you, and you need to make sure that you expose your children to the world. The world is bigger than your back door. Black, white, blue, and green. Let's expose our children to the world. Expose them to the news. Expose them to, to well, I always like to tell people first, expose them to the word of God. Amen. A amen. 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 Expose our children to stuff. Take them somewhere. Take them somewhere. Take, take them somewhere other than where you usually go. Come out of your comfort zone. Come out, come out of that comfort zone that you're in. Come out of that comfort zone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, is my time about up? <laughs> about five minutes ago, Doc. About five minutes ago? <laughs> oh, okay. And, and, and let, let me just say this. Is that right, there's something inherently uh, evil about man that makes racism stick. Help me, Holy Ghost. We're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And that sin that we're born in is tough. If we do not change some things, I believe the prescription is Jesus Christ. I believe the prescription is Jesus Christ. Now, you might have another prescription, but you got to take a prescription or something. We, we have to overcome ourselves. We have to overcome the sin that those so easily beset us. The nature to be discriminatory. The nature to hate. The nature to abuse somebody else, the nature to despise another man, the nature to look down on somebody else, the nature to mistreat somebody else, the nature to pick yourself up, to blow yourself up, and, 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 and by stepping on somebody else to get there. We must overcome that nature. We must overcome that nature. Yeah, 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 yeah. Inherent in all of us is this dark seed of flesh which is born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But I, 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 I'm just glad and I just believe that the God we serve is a God of love. The God we serve is a God of righteousness and a God of holiness. And, and I believe that it's time for the lion to lay down with the lamb. It's time. It's time. It's time. Good night. Thank you again for the conversation. And I feel, I feel very rude for interrupting. And so um, I'll just keep talking as we are reconvening. But um, I'm pleased to, to introduce our next speaker. This is Reverend Leon Harris, who's an associate pastor and member at Friendship Chapel Baptist Church in Wake Forest.
Good evening. It's certainly uh, a blessing and an opportunity to be here this afternoon. Certainly, I, I honor my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for this opportunity to be able to stand before each and every one of you. Um, you look beautiful this afternoon. Uh, as I stand and I look across this audience, almost said congregation, uh, I look across the, the audience, and it's just to see, it's just good to see God's people coming together. Um, as I thought about uh, this evening and, and what I would say, um, there's no way that I can even talk about a solution without talking about God. He's the only one that has the answer to all of our problems. And uh, whether we know it or not, he's always at work around us. And so it's our responsibility to join him where he's doing the work. Uh, it's all about his will and not ours, and sometimes I think we get that confused uh, about what the work is all about. In the book of Ecclesiastes, I'm going to start with a scripture. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter, verses 13 and 14, it says something like this. It says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. We know that racism is an evil cancer in our society, and it spans the globe in every country and every continent, and it can only be eradicated by the power and the will of Almighty God. The great prophet Micah in Micah 6 and 8 said, He hath shown thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? We must acknowledge tonight that racism is a problem and that God, even in this moment, is at work around us and is willing to help us in the solution. But God cannot solve racism if we are not willing to allow him to use us as his conduit and instrument to accomplish his will. God's will is what's best for us. The sooner we come to that realization, the better we'll become as a nation and a people. Racism. Dr. Holloway defined that, so I won't, I won't go over that again. Does it exist, or are we living somehow in a post-racist society? After all, we do have an African-American president, does it exist in Wake County, in Franklin County, in Granville County, in Warren County? My brothers and sisters, I submit this afternoon that racism does still exist, and it's alive and well and fully functioning in our society. The other day I asked my 14-year-old son if he had ever experienced racism on yesterday. And he replied, Dad, no. Not that I can remember. It then dawned on me that he is growing up in a world where I can shield him for a little while, but that one day he would come face to face with racism for himself. So what are some solutions to this epidemic in this 21st century post-racist society? 
if you will. I believe that racism is a condition of the heart, and I heard that earlier tonight, that it is a condition of the heart. The Bible says in Matthew 15, 10, and 11, And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Jesus said it another way. He said, For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. So how do we become what God would have us to become? I believe the word that I believe that the answer is in the scripture. I believe that the answer is in God's word. Especially since it deals with the condition of the heart of a man and a woman and a boy and a girl. Number one, you must love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Number two, you must love your neighbor as yourself. Number three, you must have the mindset of the master, Jesus, in order to be a servant. The scripture teaches us in Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation upon, and took upon him the form of a servant made in the likeness of men. We got to want to come together. We got to want to be amongst each other, just like you are tonight, this afternoon. You came not because someone made you to come, maybe they ask, but you came because you wanted to be here. You came because you wanted to make a difference, not only just in this community, but wherever you go. You see, I'm not, I, I, I wasn't raised in North Carolina. I was raised in Tennessee, close to the Mississippi line. And although my son is 14 and he's never experienced racism, I've, I've experienced it. I've had to deal with it. Many days in my life, I can remember walking in a store and being followed. I can remember being called names. And you say, why are you saying that? I'm saying that because that's my reality. That's been my life for so long. But you know, church, I believe God has a plan, and I meant that, church. <laughs> I believe God has a plan. And I don't think it's an accident. I don't think it's a mistake that we're here this evening. I think it's God's divine will that we come together, that we talk about, what's going on in this society. I don't know you, but it, but it troubles my heart. It troubles my spirit when I see the Trayvon Martins, when I see all the things that are happening in St. Louis and New York and California and all across this great nation. But it troubles my spirit when people are being taken advantage of. It troubles my spirit when you're judged not by your character, but by the color of your skin. Something wrong with that. Something wrong with that. Number four, you must be transformed in your mind to know the will of God. In Romans 12 and 1 and 2, it says, I 
beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Number five, you must seek the Lord's way, for his word accomplishes what he pleases to prosper. Why do you say that? I say that because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. The scripture says, if the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the things whereto I sent it. There's another scripture in Matthew 6 and 33 that says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added unto you. I remember a story in the Bible where there was a woman that came to Jesus and her daughter was six. Her daughter was possessed with the spirit. And she came crying, Lord, help me. And I submit to you tonight, until we cry, Lord, help us, until we call on the name of the Lord, guess what? Then we're doing it in our own strength. But we've got to learn how to depend on him so that he can do it and he gets the glory. I don't know about you, but I love every person in this room. I can say that. As a believer and as a follower of Jesus Christ, I love every person in this room. And we ought to be able to embrace one another. We ought to be able to love one another. When that woman came to Jesus, guess what? She wasn't an Israelite. She was a Canaanite woman. But yet he embraced her anyway. Why did he embrace her? Because of her importunity. Because of her persistence. And one thing about this race that we're in, we've got to be persistent. We've got to be, we've got to be in it for the long haul. Because it's not going to happen overnight. Things are not going to change overnight. But I believe that if we stay the course, if we be persistent, guess what? Things will change. How do you know that? Because God's word is true. Every bit of his word is true. And change will come. Number six, you must pray continually. First Thessalonians 5 and 17 says it this way. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. We should always be in prayer about what's going on in our lives and with our families and with our children and with each other. Let's pray about it. How many believe there's power in prayer? I believe there's power in prayer. I believe that if we would pray, things will change. Number seven, I'm going to sit down. You must have faith in God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says it this way, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. A lively, active faith will make that to be for us which seems to be 
against us. The scripture teaches us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's stay the course. Let's get the job done. Let's love each other, embrace each other, care for one another, genuinely. And guess what? If we do that, if we love each other with, with, with the way we're supposed to love God, guess what? He'll make a way. And he'll make a way that the races can come together and we can be what God would have us to be in this country and certainly in this community. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you again for your conversation. I'm pleased to introduce Daryl Fisher Sr., who is a former assistant superintendent of Wake County Public Schools. Good evening. First of all, I would like to recognize Wake Forest Seminary, the mayor of this wonderful community, ministers, and other community members present today for their leadership in initiating this conversation on racial reconciliation. Quite frankly, it's interesting that we're having this conversation at this point in our country's history. In my brief lifespan, I've witnessed segregated accommodations, separate but equal schools that were separate but never equal, civil rights movements, and marches on Washington. Do you remember those? I've witnessed protests against social injustice and acts of civil disobedience, all of this occurring with the recognition that change was necessary to create an America that we could all be proud of, where we can all be free to seek our greatest destiny. I've seen my own children experience an America that I never experienced when I was their age, an America where the content of their character was more important than the color of their skin. Their friends, acquaintances, and relationships reflect the collage of possibilities available to them in a multicultural and diverse society where, they able to, where they've been able to navigate much better than my parents or grandparents. A world that did, that, did, that did not exist for my forefathers. A world that they could not dream of, even in their most magnificent dreams. When I'm faced with issues that seem to be beyond my ability to resolve, I always look to my favorite reference, the Bible, for guidance. If you have your Bible or Bible app, I suppose it is now, available, available, please read with me. I will be reading from the contemporary English version of Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. And it reads, all of you are God's children because of your faith in Jesus Christ. And when you were baptized, it was as though you had put on Christ in the same way you put on new clothes. Faith in Christ Jesus is what makes each of you equal with each other. Whether you are a Jew or a Greek, a slave or a free person, a man or a woman. So if you belong to Christ, you are now part of Abraham's family and you will be given what God has promised. 
It's encouraging that according to God's words, each of us, regardless of our ethnicity, our socioeconomic background, etc., all that stuff, all have the same opportunity to have a relationship with Christ. It's true that our relationship with Christ, not the color of our skin, our socioeconomic status, makes us equal with each other. I've heard that in real estate, the, most, the three most important things are what? Location, location, location. With God, the three most important things are relationships, relationships, relationships. Most of our notions regarding race and its implications are formed when we are young. Race is a social construct where we differentiate ourselves based on some observ observable physical trait. Quite often, we erroneously attribute our beliefs regarding people who are different from us solely on these physical differences. Unfortunately, the amount of melanin a person has or doesn't have is a major factor in this belief system. While we know that melanin, melanin is the pigment that gives human skin, hair, and eyes their color, we in many cases give this pigmentation of others more power than it deserves. Brown eyes are rich in melanin deposits, and blue eyes indicate a lack of melanin. Neither is superior or inferior to the other. Dr. Duanna Fulwiley, a Harvard professor, discusses race in his article, Race and Genetics, Attempt to Define the Relationship. Dr. Fulwiley, rather than categorizing race so based simply on your physical attributes, reviewed the work of Francis Collins. And maybe you've heard Francis Collins. Francis Collins led the mapping of the Human Genome, Genome Project in the year 2000. Collins announced that humans were 99.9% .9 the same at their level of DNA. This one one-hundredths difference in our genomes are part of the variation we refer to as race or ethnicity. This one one-hundredths percent can vary from one person to the next, from him to her to the next person sitting here, regardless of your race. Scientists now believe that notions of race based simply on physical traits is naive by pointing out that all human beings belong to the same species, homo sapiens. We are all members of the same race, the human race. If we as a nation are going to achieve true racial reconciliation and justice, it will be it must be the Christian churches that lead us as a nation so that people are not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, as Dr. King espoused. This rift between races must be healed as quickly as possible, because the longer it is allowed to fester, the more alienation and damage will be caused, the more difficult it will be to heal, and the more people will be victimized. If racial reconciliation cannot occur with the involvement and leadership of the Christian church, it is doubtful that it will ever occur. This must become a moral imperative of the Christian church. Ayn Rand, the Russian-American novelist, writes, the smallest minority on earth is the individual. Those who deny individual rights cannot claim to be defenders of minorities. 
Our inability to resolve our race, racial differences as a nation has been the serpent in our Garden of Eden. It has caused us not to reach our greatest potential because if anyone in our nation does not have the same opportunity as someone else, simply based on their race, then the entire country suffers. The Nobel laureate and son of the South, William Faulkner, observed, the past is never dead. It's not even past. Our current, our present has always been informed and tainted by our past experiences. While we cannot change the past, we must work steadfastly to use the past to inform us as we make better decisions for the present and future of our communities and our nation. My church has a program called Promise Keepers. Maybe you've heard of it. This is a national association of Christian men who meet regularly to praise God. The Promise Keepers National Association has a whole section on the ministry of reconciliation, including these five steps. Number one, seek God's direction about whom you should get to know, meeting regularly with them. Number two, build trust by sharing common experiences. Commit to pray seriously for each other. Number three, be a friend. Hear their pain. Let God transform bitterness into humility and sensitivity. Number four, become a brother by visiting each other's homes and churches. Restore respect to one another and practice mutual repentance and forgiveness for attitudes and actions. And number five, share with each other your experience with reconciliation. The only true way to bridge this racial divide, to heal this rift, and to move forward as Christians and as a nation is to immediately seek to form ethnically diverse coalitions where people can form and develop positive relationships. You know, it's always easier to maintain the status quo than choose change. Ultimately, we must be willing to seek and get out of our comfort zones and move intentionally, I've heard that word before, okay, and with purpose to form multi-ethnic relationships where people of different ethnicities and socio socioeconomic backgrounds worship together. Isn't that frightening, okay? And minister to one another as members of the local body of Christ. This will require both courage and leadership from the Christian church and from our communities. We will discover that we all smile the same and cry in sorrow the same. We, were, we will discover that we lament over the same issues and joyously celebrate when God has blessed us. Most of you have heard Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. Since I do not possess his oratorical eloquence, I will not repeat the speech this evening. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay. However, it is not enough to be opposed to racism and segregation. I think almost all of us are. We must confront these issues head on. We must speak against anything that works to separate us from our relationship with God. We must work together, black and white, red and brown, 
Jew and Gentile, poor and rich, as brothers and sisters in Christ, leading the way so that we can all be given what God has promised. It's time. It's time. Thank you. Well, we, we are coming down to the final stretch of our evening. Um, as we end, I'd like to introduce Reverend Kenneth Stegler. He is, if, 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 if I can give it an, yeah, all, all that applause is, is, is actually well warranted. <laughs> he said that he paid for them. So, but, um, so if, if I can give this analogy, if uh, Dr. Holloway is the head of this endeavor and I've been the mouth of this endeavor, the heartbeat has been Kenneth Stegler. The Lord has used him mightily to bring this group together today. He has been at this business of racial reconciliation for a number of years. I just heard today that if you go watch Selma, the movie, that you should all go and see, and many times, I'm going the second time on Saturday, or Friday night, so I might see you there. If you go see that movie, there's two uh, ministers that are depicted coming down from Boston. In our presence is a minister from Boston who marched, or who helped organize the march at Selma. Kenneth Stegler has been about the business of racial reconciliation for a long time. So we have a living legend in the house tonight, which if you asked him about it, he would never, ever tell you. So that's why I'm up here talking about it. And so without further ado, Reverend Kenneth Stegler. It is an honor and privilege to be here and to have a time in the, with the seminary. It is an honor and privilege to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an honor and privilege to stand before you today and know that God is good. Amen. And all of God's people said? Amen. Amen. That's, God is good. Now that, all the time. All the time. There you go. There you go. You got it. Now, now, there might be some people here today, and this is an uncomfortable environment for you, and I, I, if it is, I, I thank you for being with us, because not everybody here may have the same theological perspective or the same amening, and I thank you for coming. If it's uncomfortable, I, I pray that you'll feel comfortable being here and hearing God language, because in our, in our larger society, boy... Uh, if you mention Jesus or you mention God, it's like, mm-mm, you, you, you get, mm-mm, mm-mm. And, 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 I, and, I, and I've been there a number of times, so I can tell you that's what it's like. Now, here's my, I got a half-hour speech, and if you have a pencil on paper, uh, you ought to write this down because it's really terrific. You got to write, come on, get the pencil there. This is fantastic. It, it's four, four words, just four words. Just four words. This is my half-hour presentation. The first, it, it's just R-A-I-L. Just write that down, R-A-I-L. And we're going to put the words to what, what comes with R-A-I-L. R, is, for me, standings for relationships. And we've heard that today a whole lot. And that's what it's all about. If we're not going to get into relationship, we're fooling ourselves. And I think the Lord is sick and tired of us fooling ourselves. Now, I don't want to step in any toes, but here it comes. We've got to get into relationship. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. And it may cause a little anxiety. It's okay. 
we can be a little anxious. <laughs> we can be a little, uh-oh, I wonder what it's going to be like. The first word is relationships. The second word is acceptance. One of the things that's so different is to be tolerated. Acceptance means I love you unconditionally and I'll lay my life down for you because I love you. I want to accept you. I don't want to just tolerate you. We've had enough tolerance. It's time for acceptance. Can you say amen? amen. Those of you who are uncomfortable, you can say amen too. It's all right. It's okay. <laughs> the third letter is I. And you've heard this repeatedly this evening, this afternoon. Intentional. It's not only that we're in relationship. It's not only that we want to be accepting of one another. It is intentional. It takes time. It takes sacrifice. It, it's uncomfortable sometimes to relate intentionally with one another. There's so many other good things going on. So, we're so busy. <laughs> if we're so busy and we miss the intentionality, we perpetuate racism. Can somebody say, uh-oh? Okay, let's go on to the last word. And the last, let, the last letter is L, stands for listening. Relational acceptance, intentionally listening to one another. If we don't have the intentionality, if we don't know about acceptance of one another, and we're not listening to one another, ah, we're fooling ourselves. Can somebody say amen? amen. And God doesn't want us to keep fooling ourselves. It's time that we loved one another. Can you say amen? amen. Now here comes the scary part of this whole thing. The table host has little notebooks. And I'm going to ask every table host to make sure that it take out, rip out some of the pieces of paper and give everybody a piece of paper. And you should have a pen or a lipstick or mascara or something. Uh, and just rip, rip out those little pieces of paper. I'm going to collect those notebooks in just a minute. But rip out those pieces of paper. Every per person at the table has a piece of paper. Now, here, here comes the scary part. Just get out those pieces of paper. Just rip them up. There you go. I'd like you to write down your name, full name, and your phone number. Write down your name and your phone number. Just take a piece of paper, write down your name and phone number. Now, this is where it's really going to get scary. On that piece of paper. I'm going to pray in just a minute. And as I pray, I want you to be thinking, what person of an opposite color would I like to invite to my home for dinner in the next three weeks? Can you go, uh-oh? Okay. You, you look around. A person opposite color invited to your home and they'll invite you to their home. That's, that's a dinner for eight, but we're going to do it. Otherwise, we've just been here and we've been just listening to great messages and great speeches and great scripture. But I'm going to ask you to put feet on the ground in one another's home. Can you say amen? Can you bow your heads in prayer, please?
Can you hold hands around the table as, as a community? There you go. Almighty and everlasting God, we come before you in Jesus' name and thank you that you provide opportunity for us and we ask your forgiveness. Lord God, sometimes we've turned aside. We've been afraid to take the opportunities of relationships that you've put before us. Tonight, we have that opportunity and I pray, Lord God, as we break bread together, we will be intentional. We will be accepting one another. We will be willing to listen to one another. Lord God, I pray that we will be your people called by your name and that you will have a smile on your face as we exchange papers and call one another for a meal together. Lord, it's scary. We may be afraid. We may be anxious. And I pray, Lord God, release us from any fear and anxiety and help us, O oh Lord, to take the risk to invite another person of another color. Lord God, help us to do it and follow through. Bless the food, we pray in Jesus' name. And all the God's people said, Amen. Amen.